Well, it's good to see all of you this morning, and um, by God's grace, uh, this is our last Sunday here at Warren Road Elementary School, Uh, so you'll hear that probably numerous more times today. We just don't want anybody showing up here next week, um, because we won't, nobody else will be here. Um, So make plans uh, next week to um, attend downtown at our building at 930 Broad Street, and I encourage you to come early. Uh, grab a cup of coffee at New Moon because it's delicious coffee and uh, and come check out the space and hang out. And we will, uh, by God's grace, continue worshiping there and uh, see what's next. So it's an exciting time. Um, but this morning we are glad you were here. And if you're a guest, welcome. If you have any questions, we'd love to answer them for you. There's a guest services table out front and um, feel free to grab anyone in the room here. We'd love to talk with you about uh, Redemption Church, but moreover, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we've been going through the book of Deuteronomy. And as we continue to worship today through the reading of God's word, I encourage you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Uh, We've been looking at Deuteronomy as, as the old school gospel, seeing how the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy points us to Jesus, leads us to Jesus, uh, even though it was written hundreds of years before the time of Christ. There's uh, God is at work in and through the people of Israel in the Old Testament to, to lead us up to uh, Jesus, showing how he is our Savior, he is our uh, Redeemer, our Rescuer, and in Christ how we are changed. Um, so today we're in Deuteronomy chapter 14. We're just going to look at a, a couple of verses, um, but let me pray as we get started. Father God, we thank you that you are a good and holy God, that you are glorious and mighty. God, that you are kind and generous to your people. God, that you've done amazing things throughout history for the glory of your name and the good of your people. And God, that uh, by your grace you've gathered us here today uh, to worship you through singing, through prayer. Uh, God, now through the reading of your scriptures and the proclamation of the gospel. God, I pray that uh, by your Holy Spirit you would open our minds to understand, open our hearts to receive this good news. Uh, God, that you would humble us in grace that we would see that in Christ, through Christ, we are recipients of your mercy and your goodness, uh, and that in that we are changed. And so I pray that these things would happen for your glory and our good, and that the gospel of Jesus would advance from this place to the nations, we ask in his holy name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 14, we're going to look at the first two verses uh, and the last um, two verses, kind of the bookends of the chapter. All right. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 says, You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your foreheads for the dead. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Look down at verses 28 and 29. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of the produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of the hands of your hands that you do. Uh, this is God's word for us. Friends, in Christ Jesus, God has chosen you for holiness. In Christ Jesus, God has chosen us to be holy, uh, to receive his blessings in order to bless others. Today we're looking at three major words that we see in this passage. We're looking at chosen, holiness, and blessing. Three three big words that should either excite you or uh, cause a red flag to go up or, or 
pique some interest or question. Three major things we're looking at today. What it means to be chosen, what holiness is, and what, it, what blessing is, and what does it mean to be a blessing or, or pass on a blessing to others. See, to, the goal today is not um, just more religious information or historical information or theological information only. Today, we're wanting to see the gospel We're wanting to see the good news of Jesus played out in the Old Testament, leading to the New Testament, and how this changes us today. We want to see the good news of Jesus in the story of God's work in Israel being chosen for holiness and blessing. And so today, uh, we're going to see that God chooses his people for holiness and blesses them in order to be a blessing. And there's great truths of that in the Old Testament. There's great truths of that in the New Testament. And it's the great truth that God has for us in Christ, that in Jesus we are chosen to become holy, that he blesses us in order that we can be a blessing to others. Look at verse 2. And we're looking just at the first couple and the last couple verses, and we'll kind of plug in the rest as it kind of bookends the concepts for us. Verse 2 says this, You are a people holy, to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You see, in the Old Testament, we see that God had chosen Israel to be the recipients of his covenant love, his covenant grace, that God, uh, at the very beginning of time in Genesis, created everything out of nothing, created the first man, the first woman. Uh, He created um, them to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, If you know the story, you know that sin entered the world, that uh, later uh, God wiped out everything with a flood, preserved people on the boat with Noah and a bunch of animals, and then uh, the earth was repopulated, and God was um, the creator of all. Uh, showed his love for all, but had chosen Israel to be his special people, his recipients of covenant love. He had freed them. They were in bondage in Egypt and slavery, and he had freed them and was leading them to a land of promise. And as he's leading them, uh, they were rebelling. They were worshiping other idols. They were wrestling with what cultural things to adapt and not do. And God's saying, look, I have chosen you to be my people. You are to be holy. You are to be different. I'm leading you to this land that I've promised you. I'm making good on my promises. But as I'm taking you there, I'm going to shape you to be distinct from all the other people on the face of the earth. You're going to be my people, the recipients of my love. You're going to live differently. You're going to be holy. Now, for Israel, and we see in this passage evidence of this, is is for Israel this included certain dietary laws, certain things that they were allowed to eat and not eat, some things that they were allowed to do and not do. And and you can read um, all of this in this chapter. They were allowed to eat certain things but not other things, and they they couldn't... um, do certain things dietarily speaking. And also there was a mandate in this chapter for them to be generous in all that they do. There's, there's, uh, in verse 22 it says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. You see, God chose them to be the recipients of his love. He chose them so that he could shape them to be different, to live differently. And marks of their differentness included food laws and restrictions and generosity and stewardship. So when we look at this, we need to look and see how this points us to Jesus. What does God's choosing Israel have to do with us being chosen in Christ? You see, this leads us up to Jesus because you and I today, we often can jump to these theological concepts and kind of skip Jesus. Because we can say, well, God chose Israel. I mean, he says right there, you are a people holy to the Lord your God. God has chosen you. And if you're like me, you probably want to say, well, I, 
I want to be chosen by God. I mean, do you not? Do you not want to be a recipient of God's love? Do you not want God to say, you are my special child? I love you. I'm going to change you and shape you and grow you to be a person very distinct from me. I mean, that sounds like a good deal, right? And so often you and I will say, well, I want to be chosen by God, but we, we view it through non-gospel concepts. We, we, we view it like this. If you're like me, I went to school at this very elementary school, and I remember playing kickball on this field back there, but I've never been very athletic. I mean, I was just, I've, I've pretty much always been this tall. I mean, even like in second grade, just like this huge gangly kid running down the field, tripping over my huge feet. I was really the first chosen on the kickball team, right? Because when we think about being chosen, we think, well, you you have to bring something to the table. Like if you want to be on an athletic team, you better bring some skill, all right? You better bring some sort of athletic ability. I mean, if you don't have that athletic ability, you're not you're not going to be chosen, right? Or maybe it's for school. You have to have a certain grade point average to be chosen for the scholarship or to be chosen for a certain school. Some of you guys are wrestling with that now, whether it's high school or college or graduate school. You're thinking, man, I need to get this. I need to perform a certain way in order to be chosen by this school, to be chosen to be a recipient of this scholarship or even in work. You you have to perform in order to be chosen. And so if we approach God like that, we miss the gospel. Right? God doesn't look at you and say, well, what, what do you bring to the table? I mean, if, if, if I'm going to choose you, you better bring something to my kingdom, right? But how often do we approach God like that? Thinking we've got to do better, try harder, we have to get smarter or be more religious. In fact, that's where the holiness things, thing comes in here because so often we'll read something like this that says you are a people holy to the Lord your God and God has chosen you. And we'll think, wait, God has chosen me because I'm holy. And that puffs us up in pride, right? I mean, it would be very easy to look at this and say, well, God chose Israel because they were so much more religious than the other people of the land in that day. They were more religious than Egypt. They were more religious than whoever. They were more holy. But friends, we mustn't get the cart before the horse. God did not choose Israel because they are holy. God chose Israel so that he could make them holy. Are you with me? God did not say, well, look at these holy people. I will accept them and love them. Rather, if you know the story of Israel, they were wrought with disaster, constant rebellion, constant doubt, constant disbelief, constant idolatry. In fact, the the whole timeline of Bible heroes is full of adulterers and murderers and liars and thieves and prostitutes. And God says, I love them. I'm choosing them to be my people. I'm choosing them so that I can shape them to be holy, so that I can change them, so that I can grow them to be my special people. Friends, I want us to know that is the essence of God's love and grace toward his people. God chooses who he wants to choose in order to show them his goodness, his grace, his love. We have to start there. In fact, we we can't jump to the laws of dietary things and tithing. In fact, because it would be easy to think that that's like merit-based, that God chose them because they didn't eat certain foods, that God chose them because they gave such and such money or because they worshipped a certain way. I mean, they were holy because they did those things, therefore God chose them. That's not the case. God chose them because he chose them, 
Because he's a gracious, good, and loving God. And so, friends, if you're in this room today and you're wrestling, you're like, I want to be chosen by God. I want to do better, try harder. Maybe if I do these dietary laws, maybe God will love me. Maybe if I give a certain way, God will accept me. Maybe if I do religious, holy things that look all holy and good, maybe God will love me. Friends, let's put that on the back burner for a second. And let me just say that God in Christ loves you and accepts you, period. doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter what state you find yourself in. You can walk in here today and say, I have so much filthy sin. I do gross things. I have thoughts that are haunting me. I have so much doubt and disbelief. My life is full of rebellion. I don't even know if there is a God. I'm so glad you're here. And I want you to hear the gospel is that God chooses people because he's a good, loving God. He doesn't choose you because you bring any awesome resume to the table. Okay? We good? There's going to be more Jesus, so hang on. Because I want us to see that God says, You are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. He has chosen them to be holy. See, holy means, that's what we need to see is, we need to know what holiness is, right? Because it's good to say, I want to live a holy life, and if God has chosen me, I want to live holy. Holy means set apart by God for God's purposes. If you are living a holy life, it is not that you are setting yourself apart for God's purposes. It is that as God is setting you apart for God's purposes. Does that make sense? Too often we think, well, I want to live a holy life, so I will do such and such thing. And it may be a good thing. But the language of holiness in the Bible, the Old Testament word used to, be, to, to mean holy or sanctified or set apart for God's purposes is, is this imagery of like objects that were used for worship in a temple. Like it's, it may be a little abstract for us, but, but if you can imagine being uh, in an Old Testament temple worship service and they had different objects like candles and bowls and stuff, and, and the priest would walk in and say, this object will be used for worship. And so the priest would take the object and say, this object, he would declare this object to be holy. The, the bowl did not make itself holy. The bowl did not declare itself holy. The bowl was declared by the priest to be holy. And the priest would purify it, wash it, clean it up, and say, this item is not for Cocoa Puffs in the morning. This bowl is for worship. This bowl is for special set-apart purposes for God. And they would use the item for worship and clean it up and use it again for worship. It was set apart for holy purposes. And that's what God in Christ does for us. Jesus says, you are mine. I declare you to be set apart for holy purposes. I will clean you up to be set apart for holy purposes. I will use you for holy purposes, but we have to see that it is God in Christ declaring the holiness. It is not your tradition. It is not your religion. It is not your theological construct or philosophical preference or worship style or how good you think or good you do. None of that makes you holy. Some of that may be evidence of God making you holy, but it's not you making yourself holy by doing it. You see, God's people weren't making themselves holy by abstaining from certain foods and eating others. They weren't making themselves holy by giving things and doing things. Those were just evidences of God saying, I have set you apart to be my holy people. Holiness is an identity. Holiness is an expression of what God has done, saying, I have chosen you. This is all God making good on his promises. You with me? Chosen 
for holiness, not chosen because of holiness. We have to see that. Because that is the the theme of the Old Testament. That is the theme of the New Testament. That is the theme of the gospel that should ripple through our lives. And some of you guys have great stories, and I want this to be a freeing bit of knowledge for you. That you don't have to get holy and be holy so that God will choose you. I want you to show up and say, I am a filthy, dirty bowl. I want to be set apart for God's purposes. God, choose me. God, clean me. God, shape me to be yours. And we see that played out for Israel. But they fail time and time again. Idolatry, rebellion, doubt, disbelief. But there's still some good news. You see, Israel is to display faith. They're to trust God with his provision and to trust God by obeying him. They're going to say, look, we recognize that we are chosen. Therefore, we're going to live holy lives, trusting that God is making us holy as evidence to those around us that God is a good God. And they show this evidence in numerous ways, and some includes being a blessing, stewarding grace to others. Look at verse 28. At the end of every three years... You shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion of inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow who are within your town shall come and eat and be filled. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. The Levite... There were those who had no territory to call their own. They lived kind of everywhere and just relied on the generosity of others. Sojourners, those were foreigners, travelers, orphans, widows. It says, I've chosen you in order to make you holy. Your holiness is a blessing. That blessing is to be Blessing others to bless others. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of the hands that you do. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking I want God to bless the work of my hands, right? I mean, I, it doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't have to be a you know a Christian job. Just whatever job you have, you probably say like, I want I want to do well in my business. I want to do well in school. I want profits to to go high. I want our product to sell. I want our shop to be filled. I want our restaurant to keep busy. I want to excel in applying medical knowledge to help heal people. I want to raise my kids to grow in knowledge and, and to be great people, you know. But it says, God will bless all the work of the hands that you do. But we can't read that one sentence. We have to see everything before it. It says, you're a people holy to the Lord. You shall tithe, you shall give, it was like standard 10% of, of the, you know, the crops and the produce that you had. You restore up 10% of that so that you can bring it out and share to others. Verse 23 says that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. I love that. That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Fear is in like reverent worship, not like running in terror. Like, you know, Godzilla is like, it's like fear. It's reverent worship. God is huge. He's amazing. He has provided for us. Wow. He says, you, sh- you shall be generous. God has blessed you. God has chosen you. God is making you holy. He has blessed you. The blessing, the work of your hands. Be good stewards of that so that you can learn to fear and worship the Lord your God always. 
down in verse 26, and that you shall eat before the Lord and rejoice, you and all your household. household. I, just, I just love the connections here. It's like, all right, so God has chosen his people. He's making them holy, and he's blessing the work of their hands so that they can be a blessing to others. And in that, there is worship and joy. You ever think about that? I mean, that's totally contrary for us. We're thinking, man, if, if I have to give something up, that's, where's the fun in that? We think joy comes when we get more. But right here's one of many examples that says, hey, if you give more, you'll be generous and you'll find joy, right? Because in that is trusting God. I mean, here are God's people. They've not fully settled into the land he had promised them yet. They're traveling from one place to another for four decades saying, God, we're trusting you to provide. And God's saying, hey, I'm going to provide, but I need you to be generous with what I provide for you. Hey, I'm going to bring all the crops you need. You'll be well fed, but I need you to give some of that away. I need you to give some of those crops away to those who are traveling and to the widows and to the orphans, to those who are not part of your community, the sojourner. In that, they will be filled. In that, there will be rejoicing. In that is an act of worship. That sounds exciting to me. So what I want us to do is see one of many examples in the New Testament how Jesus does this. Because we say, I mean, I want to be chosen. I want to be holy. I want to be a blessing to others. I mean, don't you? Don't you want to be chosen by God? Don't you want to be holy, set apart for God's purposes? Don't you want to be a blessing to others? Don't you want to steward what God gives you? We're not talking about money here. We're talking about a a generous heart that's being shaped by the gospel to be a worshiper full of joy. That's what we're talking about. It may involve giving money or time or resources or stewarding your house or your car or your relationships or your opportunities. We'll get to that in a minute. But what I want us to see is God chooses his people in order to make them holy. He makes them holy so that they can be a blessing to others, stewarding grace to show off how good God is. That's what it's all about. Look how good God is. Look how gracious he is. Look how joyful it is to be part of God's family. So what does this have to do with Jesus? Philippians chapter 2 is one of many awesome examples. Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses, right? Because I don't want us to walk out of here saying, well, I want to be holy so God will choose me, or I'm going to be generous so that I can be holy so that God will choose me. I don't want you to walk out of here like that. I want us to see that in Christ we are chosen. In Christ we are made holy. And because of that, we can be generous. Check this out. Philippians chapter 2. This is written, New Testament. This is after Jesus has come and lived on the earth and taught, was crucified, buried, rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven. The apostle Paul, who was like the super awesome religious guy, who, who would have seen Deuteronomy 14 and taught it so much better than I just did. And he would have been like, yeah, we keep this because, I mean, he was like awesome, awesome, religious, smart. And then he meets Jesus. And Jesus like knocks him off his horse and is like, hey, you belong to me now. I want you to tell everybody how good I am. So Apostle Paul starts writing letters and help churches get planted and training smart aleck young pastors and stuff happens. Listen to this in Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy 
by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? You see what Paul's saying there? Where Israel was to be God's chosen people, growing in holiness, to be a blessing to the world around them, they failed. I mean, they did good sometimes, but they failed sometimes. And then Jesus comes on the scene and fulfills what Israel should have done. I mean, Jesus, who was God's only son, didn't take that as something to, to cling to, but rather Scripture says he emptied himself doesn't mean he was less God. It just means he surrendered those rights as a divine king in heaven and came as a humble man, as a servant, to be used for God's purposes. Holiness. He lived the perfect, holy life, fulfilling every Old Testament legal expectation. He lived a perfect life as a servant so that he could steward grace to a lost world around him. We see that he is blessing those who curse him, <laughs> blessing those who kill him. He was feeding 5,000, in one occasion 4,000. I know he's feeding thousands of people. And if you look at any of those stories, he gives them so much food and everybody's full and happy and only a handful stick around for the message. Only a handful follow him after that. He knew that. He's fed them nonetheless. He healed blind, healed the lame, healed the deaf, deaf, brought dead people back to life, and not all of them followed him. In fact, one guy who hangs out with him for all this witness and all of this actually betrayed him. But Jesus did it anyway because he said, I am God's son. I am living in holiness. I am set apart for God's purposes. I am blessing the broken world around me. And then the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2 here, that we are to have the same mind among us, like Christ, the form of a servant, recognizing if you are a Christian, God has chosen you. So you're to grow in holiness, but that's not for your own good and pride. Look how holy I am. Rather to be a servant and say, wow, look, God has just blessed me. I want to be a blessing to others. I want to be an encouragement to others. I want to bring joy and affection and sympathy. A participation in the Spirit is what the Apostle Paul says here. I don't want to be selfish. I want to be humble. I want to count others more significant than myself. I don't want to look to my own interests, but the interests of others. I want to reflect Jesus. I don't want to argue about theology all the time. Sometimes, yeah, but not all the time. I don't want to pursue 
excellence in my field just so I can get accolades or more money. I want to do so in order to have influence to reflect Christ to others. I I want to excel in school or in the workplace. I want to do well by my family, but all of this is not just so that I can brag on how great and holy I am, but rather to show God's grace to my children and to my wife and to my neighbors and to my co-workers and to my fellow students and those that I know around me. I want to, to do that. Why? Because in Christ alone, we are chosen by God for holiness and to be a blessing. Is any of this resonating with you guys? It's my hope and prayer that as we leave this place today and all go back to whatever we go back to, whether it's your family or your neighborhood or if you go to school tomorrow or to work or, or whatever, that, that in our individual lives and families we will really take seriously what it means to be chosen by God and that we would look to Christ and worship and joy and gratitude and say, thank you, Jesus, that because of you I'm chosen by God. Scripture says that we are adopted sons, adopted daughters. <laughs> of God. We were part of the family of God because of the work of Christ. And that we would take holiness seriously, but not holiness as in, I do this so well, therefore I am holy. That's the biggest temptation, I think, for, for Christians. Once you get you deep into theology and deep into the Christian traditions and stuff, it's all good stuff. It's all to reflect God's goodness. I'm a huge fan of all of it, but I think it has its proper place. And I've seen so many Christian families and ministries get torn apart when people start raiding holiness and forgetting that holiness is not about I'm cleaner and better than you or smarter than you or whatever, but rather, wow, God chose me. He has set me up. God set me apart. I didn't set myself apart. God set me apart for his purposes. Those purposes may look different in my life than your life. For some of you, those purposes involve family. For some of you, maybe not family. For some of you, it involves working. Some of you, it involves not working. Maybe staying at home and working in the home. Maybe it involves going to graduate school. For some of you, it may be military service or it may mean job. I don't know. But it changes everything when we trust God has chosen us and set us apart for holy purposes. As a church, I'm so excited that next week, by His grace, we will be meeting in a different building with more comfortable chairs. Yay! 930 Broad Street, be there. But we have to realize this is an opportunity God's given us to steward. I mean, God has used amazing circumstances and amazing people and relationships to provide this location for us, but it's not because we are holy. It's because God, is, out of his grace, has chosen us and is saying, I'm going to use this opportunity to grow us in holiness and to grow us and influence, to bless others around us. And the opportunities to do that as a church are just astonishing. I mean, all over the place. We will have opportunities we haven't even recognized yet, both in the city, in the suburbs, in the state, nation, and to the world. So buckle up, it's exciting. So what does this mean for us? If you are not a Christian, I want to encourage you to believe the gospel, to know that There's nothing you can do to make yourself chosen by God, but rather look to Jesus, and in Jesus you are accepted and chosen by God. And you may be thinking, well, how do I know if I'm chosen or not? Well, if you believe, he's chosen you. I mean, the only way you can possibly believe the gospel is that God has said, I want you to believe the gospel. So just rest in that. 
And if you're saying, I want to grow in holiness, I want to do holy things, I want you to. I want to grow in holiness too. But we see that it's God working in us and through us and uses other people to grow us in holiness and that holiness in essence means set apart for God's purposes. And so it's okay if you're like, man, I didn't read my Bible today. I read it six days this week and I just forgot today. Well, it's okay. We'll, we'll work on that. So there's disciplines for us to grow in holiness. Huge fan of that. We are to grow we're to grow in our holiness together. But if you stub your toe and say a bad word and you do an unholy statement that might have happened to me one time, maybe, doesn't mean God has no longer chosen you. It's my biggest fear. It's like, oh, man, I said a bad word. Am I out of God's family now? It's not how it works. In Christ, you were chosen, accepted, loved by God. You were an adopted son, an adopted daughter, and nothing will change that ever. And God sets you apart to be holy, to grow for his purposes, to bless others around you. So if you are not a Christian, we want you to know Jesus more than anything. If you are a Christian, it is my hope and prayer that you will join me in repenting of sin, repenting of idolatry, repenting of self-sufficiency. That's what we need to do is say, well, you know, I have such and such theological construct or such and such spiritual discipline regimen that therefore I'm holy, right? So I'm good. We just need to repent of that, man. It's, those are good things, but we don't need to rest in those. Those are evidences of God working in us. So we need to say, wow, God, thank you that by your grace, I, I just, I, I have been on track lately. Thank you, Jesus. We just, to grow in holiness. And friends, I want us to grow to steward blessings, to recognize that We've been set apart for holiness, that we're not our own, that God sets us apart. Therefore, everything that you think you own, you're actually just stewarding, God has, by proxy, set those things apart for his purposes as well, just so you know. Like, I have a pickup truck. I probably shouldn't say this, but if you want to borrow it, (laughs) it's God's pickup truck, so I can't say, no, it's mine, right? Man, there goes my truck. All of you are like, I'm moving, yes. Short bed truck, you don't want it. There's bigger trucks. I can give you the names of those in this church who have bigger trucks. <laughs> Call them first. But that's just an example. If I believe that God has set me apart for holy purposes, it doesn't mean that I just get up here and talk about the Bible once a week, but it means that everything I own belongs to the Lord as well. My pickup truck, my skateboard, my Black & Decker weed eater, you know, whatever. Um... So if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you uh, to join me in repenting, turning from our self-sufficiency, our pride, our fear, our doubts, and turning to Jesus as an act of worship and joy, saying, thank you for choosing me. Please grow me in holiness that I may be a blessing to others. This is what 1 Peter 2.9 says. <clears throat> That's why the Apostle Peter says to Believers, that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. It's echoing that same language of Deuteronomy. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this is good news for all of us. Okay. Um,
Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to um, awaken dead hearts to beat with life. Those who do not know you, Lord, would come to know you and come to trust you. God, that we can see that we do nothing to be chosen, but rather you choose us out of your grace and mercy in Christ. And God, I pray that we would see that holiness is not about uh, what we do in our own effort, but rather what you are doing on our behalf and how you were, what are you doing in us and through us that you were setting us apart. So God, I pray that we would see evidences of that in our lives, that there would be great worship, great joy, great generosity, uh, great community as evidences of being a holy people. And God, that we would be a blessing to others in our family, workplace, school, as a church, that we would be uh, a blessing to the city of Augusta and um, uh, like a rock dropping in an ocean, there would be a ripple of good news and joy uh, coming from this community of faith, uh, rippling out to the nations. We ask this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.